Good day. We are looking at Revelation chapter 16 and we're going to be going into the bowls of God, the bold judgments of God, which is the wrath of God being poured out. As you can see, I will be jumping um, the chapters. So we're going ahead in time, but I will be coming back to chapter 14 and 15 in the next session. So I want to just insert chapter 16 here, just so that we have a complete picture of the bold judgments and the last two bold judgment, judgments, chapter uh, 5 and uh, uh, 6 and 7, which leads, leads us into the end of the seven-year period of time or the end of the Great Tribulation period of time. I'm going to be reading a lot of scriptures, so please bear with me as we go through this. Let's begin. I'll read the first 11, chap 11 verses of Revelation chapter 16, and then we'll go through it um, section by section, bowl by bowl, verse by verse. Verse 1, Amplified. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the the, uh, on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath and indignation of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and loathsome and malignant sores came on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a corpse, foul and disgusting. And every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they turned into blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous and just are you, who are and who were, a holy one, because you judged these things, for they have poured out the blood of uh, they have poured out the blood of the saints, God's people, and the prophets, and you in turn have given them blood to drink. They deserve your judgment. And I heard another from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all, your judgments are true and fair and righteous. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was given power to scorch humanity with raging fire. People were severely burned by the great heat, and they reviled the name of God who had the power of these plagues, but they did not repent of their sin and glorify him. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. And the people gnawed their tongues because of the pain, of the excruciating anguish and severe torment. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their anguish and their sores, abscesses and boils. And they did not repent of what they had done, nor hate their wickedness. These are now the climactic judgments of the Great Tribulation. This is it. This is the wrath of God. We see an action by an angel in heaven, and we see a dramatic effect on planet Earth. Now you need to notice this is the, the, to, to notice this is not, I think, uh, it, it is not a direct it's not directed against sin in general, nor is it directed against individual sin. 
This is God's wrath that is specifically targeted against the beast and his kingdom, Babylon, and the people in that kingdom. Listen to verse 10 and 11 again. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. You can underline that. On the throne of the beast. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. And people gnawed their tongue because of the pain. You can underline that as well if you want for future study. And people gnawed their tongue because of the pain of the excruciating anguish and severe torment. I've underlined verse 11. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because, they angu- because of their anguish and their sores, abscesses and boils. And they did not repent of what they had done, nor hate their wickedness. So I think that this is specifically targeted. This is, th- these bowls are specifically targeted against the beast and his kingdom and the inhabitants of this kingdom. So let's go in and look at these bowls. Verse 1 of Revelation chapter 16. I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of wrath and indignation of God. My personal opinion with regards to these bowls is they are poured out in rapid succession. And then the results of the effects of the bowl on planet earth then reverberate down through the next three and a half years and they actually culminate in the battle of armageddon of revelation 1919 listen to the listen to these verses of scripture i'm going to read to you uh, verses 12 to 16 of revelation chapter 16 uh, I'm going to read all the way through to, 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 to 21, sorry. So I'm going to read from Revelation 16, 12 to 21. And then I'm going to read ver- uh, Revelation 19, 19. Verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that they would prepare for the coming of the kings from the east. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon, Satan, and from the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and from the mouth of the false prophet. And they were actually the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief, blessed is he who stays awake and who keeps his clothes, that is, stay spiritually ready for the Lord's return, so that he will not be naked, spiritually unprepared, and men will not see his shame. And the demon and they, the demons, gathered the kings and the armies of the world together at the place where in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne of God saying, It is done. It is all over. It is all accomplished. It has come. And there were flashes of lightning and loud rumblings and peals of thunder. And there was a massive earthquake. Nothing like it had ever occurred since mankind uh, originated on the earth. So severe and far-reaching was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. 
And God kept in mind Babylon the Great to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce and furious wrath. Then every island fled away, and no mountain could be found. And great hailstones as heavy as a talent fell from the sky on the people, and the people reviled and spoke abusively of God for the plague of the hail, because of the plague was so very great. And what were we describing here? Revelation 19, 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings and the political leaders of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who is mounted on the white horse and against his army. So let's look into the first bowl. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and loathsome and malignant sores came on the people who had the mark of the beast and who had the and who worshiped his image so the first four bowls i think are the effects of the earth crossing the path of the wormwood system again so we had the first impact of the wormwood system and five months later now we're coming through the second impact of the wormwood system so we've jumped from that impact, we've gone to Revelation chapter 13, and now we've jumped here to five months later, where we're looking at the impact of the Wormwood system and how it reverberates into the next three and a half years, culminating in the fifth and sixth trumpets, uh, bowls, I beg your pardon. What we see taking place is the effect on the environment, primarily, and the secondary effect on the population and specifically we are seeing the impact on those who receive the mark of the beast so a plague impacts the world's population who have received the mark of the beast and this plague results in some really bad malignant evil sores that break out on those people who now worship the beast I'll be talking a little later on about those people who, well, there's one specific one that I'll give you an example where Christian leaders actually say that it's okay to receive the mark of the beast. You can get saved after this. Really, really bad idea, but I'll explain that later on. Exodus chapter 9, verse 9 to 11. It will become fine dust over the entire land of Egypt, and it will become boils breaking out in the sores on man and animals in all the land occupied by the Egyptians. So that they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it towards the sky and became boils erupting in sores on man and animals. The magicians, soothsayers, priests, could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians as well as on all Egyptians." So we've seen a comparison here of what happened in the first time, and I've, 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 I've intimated quite a lot that I think that what happened then, the same system happening at the Exodus, during the Exodus of the, of the Jews from Egypt, is the same system, but the system that's going but, but the past is going to be a lot closer. I think the past is going to be a lot more dramatic during this period of time. Please go and read Leviticus chapter 13, verse 18 to 27, and you can look at, look at aspects of the boils. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 27, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with the tumors and with the scab and the itch that cannot heal. 
the Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with sore boils that you cannot heal and the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. Deuteronomy 28.35 Job 2 verse 7 So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with lonesome boils and agonizingly painful sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Um, Just think about this. I'm sure... We've all had the odd boil or two in an uncomfortable place on the body. And just having one of those little suckers on you is painful as. Now, can you imagine being struck? Your whole body being struck by these boils, the pain that you would suffer. There's no place you can sit. There's no place you can stand. There's nothing you can do. You're just being affected by this absolute pain. It seems as if it is a type of skin ulcer that breaks out on the surface of the body. And this could be as a result of the material coming in to the atmosphere and settling on the whole earth due to the wormwood system. Believers who apostatize themselves and who worship the beast and take his mark will also suffer. I think Deuteronomy, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 to 12. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, Whoever worships the beast and his image and receives the mark, on the, of the beast on his forehead or on his hand, he too will have to drink of the wine of the wrath of God mixed undiluted into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone, flaming sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb Christ. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and there will be no rest day and night those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name, here is encouragement for the steadfast endurance of the saints, God's people, those who habitually keep God's commandments and their faith in Jesus. You take the mark. You sign over to the Antichrist. That's your choice. Coupled with your choice is the consequence of your choice. Verse 10. You too will have to drink of the wine of the wrath of God mixed undiluted into the cup of his anger. The faithful will be in a safe refuge or God may protect them in other ways. Revelation chapter 12 verse 13 to 17. And when the dragon saw that he had thrown down, he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to a place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time, three and one half years, away from the presence of the serpent, Satan. And the serpent hurled water like a river out his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with a flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed up the river, which the dragon had hurled out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went off to wage war on the rest of her children, her seed, 
those who keep and obey the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus holding firmly to it and bearing witness to him. The entire world's population marked by the beast who received this mark are going to be sufferers of this plague. The plague is going to affect them. Think about this. After all that has transpired thus far, now the population is in a state of constant pain. And can you imagine what will happen between people also, especially after having gone through the effects of the Red Horseman, human relations during this period of time are certainly going to be at their worst. And so you're going to have this, if, if, if the rapture has not taken place, you are definitely going to have the splitting of the world's population into two distinct camps. One camp obedient to Jesus Christ and one camp worshippers of the Antichrist. One camp are going to be sufferers of plague, whether it's due to the receiving of the mark of the beast and whatever they're going to put into the mark of the beast or try and do to the human DNA, etc., etc. And we'll talk about that at a later stage. Or it's the effect of the material coming down from space, from the wormwood system that affects people. And somehow they are susceptible because they've received the mark. And those that haven't received the mark are not susceptible. But there is going to be such an animosity between these two groups. And what you've got to remember is that these bowls get poured out approximately from a five month, from a two and a half month period from the uh, assumption to the throne of the world government by the Antichrist. So we've started the three and a half years. We've gone through all the ceremony of him taking power and having his say and blaspheming God. We've got the mark of the beast being implemented worldwide. We've got a worldwide celebration where people are joyfully running in and receiving the mark. And suddenly two and a half months from that period of time, they're struck down by a plague of absolute incredible pain and there is a population portion of the population at that point that has not been struck down by the plague you can imagine what will ensure ensue and the rage that's going to be come out against those believers the persecution is just going to ramp up The second bowl, verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a corpse, foul and disgusting. And every living thing in the sea died. Finally, the seas die. This judgment results, in my opinion, of the destruction of all sea life. Not just one third, as in the second trumpet judgment in chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. This may involve a coagulated, rotting blood from sea creatures or a liquid that resembles blood from the material coming down from the wormwood impact. 
Listen to this, Exodus chapter 7, verse 19 to 25. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, over their streams, over their pools, over all their reservoirs of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt in containers both of wood and of stone. So when I, when I look at that verse of scripture, and as you know, I, I believe that what happened there was they went through a, a, a passing very similar to what we, we would go through in the future of, this, of these events. So the same system came through. Now, Aaron then stretches out his staff over the water. So he probably waves his staff over everywhere that there, there would be water. Maybe maybe spinning in a 360 degree circle with his staff raised in the, in the air. I don't know. But why I think there's a possibility that this is from Wormwood is that even containers, irrespective of what the container was, whether it's wood or stone, if it contained water, it got contaminated. And so this contamination is airborne. Verse 20, so Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded and lifted and Aaron lifted up the staff and struck the waters in the Nile in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants and all the waters that were in the Nile were tur- was turned to, into blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river became foul smelling and the Egyptians could not drink its water and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts and enchantments. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Then Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and did not take uh, even this divine sign to heart. So all Egypt dug near the river for water to drink, because they could not drink the the water of the Nile. Seven days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. The third bowl, verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they turned into blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous and just are you, who are and who were. O holy one, because you judged these things. For they have poured out the blood of the saints, God's people, and the prophets, and you in turn have given them blood to drink. They deserve your judgment. And I heard another one. The, uh, from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all, your judgments are true and fair and righteous. So all fresh water, all sources of fresh water, springs, lakes, rivers, etc., dams, become blood during the outpouring of this bowl, the third bowl. Now let's have a look at some other scriptures. Revelation chapter 8, verse 11 the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became became Wormwood, and many people died from the waters because they had become bitter, toxic. Exodus 7.24, so the Egyptians dug near the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the Nile. Psalm 78.43-44, how he worked his miracles in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zohan, where Pharaoh resided and turned their rivers into blood and their streams so that they could not drink. 
and then in verse 5 of Revelation chapter 16. And then I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous and just are you, you who, who are and who were a holy one, because you judge these things. Now that's an interesting little passage coming in here. John heard praise of God in heaven, and this sort of interrupts the narrative of the flow of the wrath of God being released upon the earth and upon the beast and upon his kingdom. So we've got this angel of the waters. This is, this is a fascinating description. The angel of the waters. For me, it talks about an angel that is possibly responsible for looking after the waters, the sea and the fresh water. Now, this is interesting, especially in view of Greek mythology, which I think, when I look at Greek mythology or when I look at other um, myths from the world, from various different cultures of the world, what I see is a portrayal, a possible portrayal of Satan's view of creation of history etc and so here in greek mythology we have the god of the seas called poseidon it's pretty interesting listen to these scriptures that describe angels and their effects on the elemental forces of of nature psalm 104 verse 4 who makes winds his messengers flames of fire his ministers Remember the word minister is a word for angel. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7. And concerning the angels, he says, and now this is a quote of previous verse I, I, I read to you. And concerning the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministering servants flames of fire to do his bidding. And then we have in Revelation chapter 7 verse 1. After this I saw four angels stationed at the four corners of the earth. Holding back the four winds of the earth. So that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Revelation 19.11 They have a king over them. The angel of the abyss. The bottomless pit. In, uh, the bottomless pit. Beg your pardon. <laughs> abyss and uh, the other word. In Hebrew, his name is Abaddon, destruction. And in Greek, he is called Apollyon, destroyer king. Another interesting one is the angel that has the key to the bottomless pit. And he unlocks it at the beginning of the tribulation and he locks it again at the end of the three and a half years. Revelation 14 verse 18, and another angel came from the altar, the one who has power over fire. And he called with a loud voice to him who had a sharp sickle saying, put your sharp sickle and reap the clusters of grapes from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe for judgment. Let's move on. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, and and. You know, I'm not discussing angels now. We're not dealing with the subject of angelology right now. I am busy preparing a, a, a series on the side of next, as I'm doing this one on um, 
deliverance at the moment. And so that was pretty interesting. Now, the next two verses of chapter 16, verses 5 and 7, are also interesting and for you to pay attention to. For they have poured out the blood of the saints, God's people, and the prophets, and you in turn have given them blood to drink. They deserve your judgment. That's an interesting verse. Blood for blood. Think about what the enemy has been doing to mankind down through the ages. From Genesis 3. Think of the trafficking and violent pedophilia of children and all the horror that that involves. Think of the murdering of God's people and the innocent down through the age, even today around the world. Think about all of that. It has not gone unnoticed. So what you see here is, is what God now does to these people who perpetuate this violence against his people and against innocent children. And so he pours out blood on the beast's people because they poured out the blood of his saints and prophets. God seems to always um, make the punishment of the crime actually fit the crime itself, unlike what is happening today in the West. Let me give you a few examples of this. Isaiah 49, 26. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. He will always make the punishment for the crime. Let me give you a few examples down through the ages. So Pharaoh tried to drown the baby Jewish boys. But it was his own boys, the army of Egypt, that was drowned in the Red Sea. Exodus 1.22, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born to the Hebrews must be thrown into the Nile, but every daughter you shall keep alive. Exodus chapter 14.28, The waters returned and covered the chariots and the charioteers, and all the army of Pharaoh that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them, survived. We remember Haman, and we have that beautiful story of Queen Esther and Mordecai. So Haman planned to kill all the Jews. He planned to hang Mordecai from the gallows. But he himself was hanged on those gallows that he actually prepared for Mordecai and his family was exterminated. Esther chapter 7 verse 10. So they hanged Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for, uh, hanged Haman on the gallows, that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's anger subsided. King Saul refused to obey God and slay the Amalekites. So he was slain by an Amalekite. You can read that story in 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 1 to 6, where David learns of what happened with Saul. 
The saints refer to all believers and the prophets are those who deliver God's message to mankind. Revelation chapter 11 verse 18. And the nations Gentiles became enraged and your wrath and indignation came and the time came for the dead to be judged and the time came to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints, God's people and those who fear your name, the small and the great. And the time came to destroy the destroyers of the earth. Revelation 18.24 And in Babylon was found the blood of your prophets and of saints of God's people and of all of those who had been slaughtered on the earth. I'm going to be doing an extensive study on Babylon once we finish the Antichrist. And I'll be looking at aspects of the whole history of Babylon all the way through the establishment of the satanic kingdom and what it has done. Now, basically, the angel affirms here that those guilty of slaying the saints and the prophets deserve what they get. They took lives contrary to God's will, and now their lives get taken in exchange. Make no mistake, people. God is going to settle accounts according to His justice, according to His righteousness, according to His standard, according to His holiness. And the time came to destroy the destroyers of the earth. Verse 7, And I heard another from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all, your judgments are true and fair and righteous. And that's where we hear the tribulation martyrs who are under the altar, chapter 6 verse 9 and chapter 15 verse 3 to 4, saying, Yea and Amen. God always judges consistently. Let's move on. Bowl number 4. Revelation chapter 16 verse 8 to 9. Verse 8. Then the fourth angel bowed. Uh, bowed. Let me start again. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And it was given power to scorch humanity with, with raging fire. People were severely burned by the great heat and they reviled the name of God who has power over these plagues, but they did not repent of their sins and glorify him. So the fourth trumpet darkens the sun. Chapter 8 verse 12. But this judgment doesn't decrease the output, energy output of the sun. It increases it. I think that, th that uh, this will be on the mark of the beast worshippers, uh, on the people of, who are beast worshippers, the people that received the mark of the beast. Look at verse 2. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and lonesome and malignant sores came on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. And this is again why I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a quick pouring out of these judgments and then the effects go through the three and a half years it seems to me that the faithful escape this judgment and this is very very similar to what I see taking place 
during Moses and the people of Israel during the Exodus period of time. Revelation chapter 16 verse 9, People were severely burned by the great heat, and they reviled the name of God who has power over these plagues, but they did not not repent of their sin nor glorify Him. I think that the effects of wormwood somehow interfere with the um, protective barriers of the earth, either stirring up the atmosphere or uh, or playing games with the magnetic fields that are around the earth that protect the earth. And so as the sun darkens, these protective barriers lessen, and so the intensity of the sun increases even though it's darkening. Listen to these scriptures here. Deuteronomy 32 verse 24. They will be wasted by hunger and consumed by plague and a bitter destruction. And I will send the teeth of beasts against them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Isaiah 24 verse 6. Therefore a curse devours the earth and those who live on it suffer the punishment of their guilt. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned under the curse of God's wrath and few people are left. Isaiah 42:25. Therefore he poured out on Israel the heat of his anger and the fierceness of battle and engulfed him in fire. Yet he did not recognize the lessons of repentance which the Assyrian conquest was intended to teach. It burned him, but he did not take it to heart. And then Malachi, Malachi 4 verse 1. For behold the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, proud, self-righteous, haughty, and every evildoer shall be stubble, and the day that it is coming shall set them on fire, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Now notice during this judgment, instead of repenting, beast worshippers amp up in their hatred of God, in their cursing of God, in their blasphemy. They recognize His sovereignty, but they refuse to honor Him as sovereign because they are preparing to go to war against him they want to take and create a breakaway society away from God Romans 1 23 and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are improper and repulsive Romans 2.24 For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written in Scripture. So it's interesting to note that a deserved judgment, more often than not, hardens the person's heart even more as it did Pharaoh. Let's move on. Bowl number 5, verse 10 and 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. And the people gnawed their tongues because of the pain, of the excruciating anguish and severe torment. Let's look at a couple of passages of scripture here. The darkening of the beast's throne appears to be literal. It seems that light will diminish. Exodus chapter 10 verse 21 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards the sky, so that darkness may come over the land of Egypt, a darkness which is so awful that it may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, 
and for three days a thick darkness was all over the land of Egypt, no sun, no moon, no stars. The Egyptians could not see one another, nor did anyone leave his place for three days, because all Israel had supernatural light in their dwelling. But all Israel had supernatural light in their dwelling. Isaiah 60 verse 2. For in fact, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness will cover the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, Jerusalem, and his glory and brilliance will be seen on you. Joel chapter 2 verse 1 to 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion, warning of impending judgment. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain Zion. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble and shudder in fear, for the judgment day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick dark mist, like the dawn spread over the mountains. There is a pagan hostile people, numerous and mighty, they like the like of which has never been seen before, nor will ever again afterwards, for even for years of many generations. Joel 2.31 The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day the Lord comes. Mark 13.24 But in those days of the suffering and distress of the, that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So this judgment of worldwide darkness inflicts pain on beast worshippers. How that's going to take place, I'm not sure. But can you imagine the chaos of the darkness in Egypt that we read in Exodus chapter 10? And then try and think about what will take place at this point in time. Revelation 16 verse 11. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their anguish and their sores, abscesses and boils. And they did not repent of what they had done nor hate their wickedness. So the beast worshippers still do not repent and they still continue their blasphemy of God. Now this is one of the reasons why I think that these bowls are in quick succession. Because your first bowl, they had all the sores and abscesses. Now they've got the darkness but they've also got pain and anguish. Bible shows us plainly that wicked people are not going to repent when they face judgment, especially when they get handed over according to Romans that we've read previously. So when confronted with righteous judgment, their blasphemy deepens and their evil purposes increase. And so as we are now two and a half months into the three and a half years, with all this that's going on, all this pain that's taking place, all this havoc that has been wrecked by the wrath of God being poured out on the planet and upon the throne of the beast. We can now see that their, their hatred for anything of God, including God's people. If the rapture has not taken place at this time, the saints of God and also Israel is going to increase to a satanic level of hatred. So... What I think takes place is that you have a quick outpouring. The earth goes through the wormwood system and the all these first five bowls now start having an effect. But the effect now starts to reverberate all the way through the next three and a half years. The last two bowls affect 
the end of the Great Tribulation period. So we're going to discuss it very, very briefly because we'll go into that in depth at a later stage in the book of Revelation. These two bowls stretch through to the Battle of Armageddon. Um, I will be doing a podcast called Living Through Wormwood, which is a fictional attempt at trying to understand what it's going to be looking like living during this period of time. You need to listen to that podcast next to Living Under the Horseman, the podcast that we've done previously. So my next project is going to be Living Through Wormwood and um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what you think about that. Living under the beast and receiving his mark as well. I'll pro probably try that one as well. But let's go and look at bowls 6 and 7. Verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the, the, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the coming of the kings of the east. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon, Satan, and from the mouth of the beast, the antichrist dictator, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they were actually the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited earth to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes, that is, stays spiritually ready for the Lord's return, so that he will not be naked, spiritually unprepared, and men will not see his shame. And they, the demons, gathered the kings and armies of the world together at the place which in Hebrew is called Ha-Mageddon. Armageddon. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne of God saying, It is done. It is all over. It is all accomplished. It has come. Verse 18. And there were flashes of lightning and loud rumbles and peals of thunder. And there was a massive earthquake, nothing like it had ever occurred since mankind originated on the earth. So severe and far-reaching was the earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God kept in mind Babylon the great to give her the cup of the wrath of the wine of his fierce and furious wrath. Then every island fled away, and no mountain could be found. And the giant hailstones as heavy as a talent fell from the sky on the people, and people reviled and spoke abusively of God for the plague of the hail. Because the plague was so very great. Right, the sixth bowl. Revelation 19, 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings and the political leaders of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who is mounted on the white horse and against his army. So the sixth bowl basically is a preparation of the nations to culminate in this gathering of this huge army in Revelation 19.19 to basically prevent Jesus Christ and his army of saints coming onto planet earth and taking up his role as the heir to the throne of David, the ruler of the whole earth. So the final three bold judgments 
seem to have a geopolitical bent to them. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water dried up so that it would prepare, be, so, so that the way would be prepared for the coming of the kings from the east. So the judgment prepares the earth for battle. Euphrates River is the northeastern border of the land of God that God promised Abraham's descendants. Genesis 15 verse 18. On the same day the Lord made a covenant promise pledge with Abraham, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And you can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 24 and Joshua chapter 1 verse 4. This promise, this covenant of God is, 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 is given to them. So there is an invasion now of the Gentile armies to take Jerusalem, to wipe out Israel and to prevent the Lord Jesus Christ from coming to planet earth. So God dries up this river that has previously turned to blood so that the kings of the east can now come across it. Daniel chapter 11 verse 44. But rumors from the east and from the north will alarm and disturb him and he will set out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. In Isaiah eleven fifteen, And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and, he will, and with scorching wind he will wave his hand over the river and he will strike and divide it into seven channels and make it possible for people to walk over it, over in sandals. So it's interesting to see how this is used in Scripture. God dries up the, the Red Sea so that Israel could head into the Promised Land from the West. Exodus 14, 21-22 Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. We know the story. Isaiah eleven sixteen, and there were and there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left, just as there was from Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt. So God dries up the Red Sea so that his people can come from the west. He also dries up the Jordan so that they can cross from the east. Joshua chapter three, verse thirteen to seventeen. Go and read that. Joshua chapter four, verse twenty three. Let me read this for you. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before you, us until we crossed over. Elijah also parts the waters of the Jordan River in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. Remember, his mantle, he rolls it up, he hits the water, it divides, and then him and Elisha walk over. So all these previous incidents should help us to understand how the fulfillment of prophecy may take place. So we have an army, it seems, from the Orient, from the East, it seems, that will assemble in Israel for the battle of Armageddon, referred to in verses 13 to 16. So verses 13 to 16 give additional comments on the six bowls. Let me read them. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon, Satan, and from the mouth of the beast, the antichrist, the dictator, and from the mouth of the false prophet, 
for they are actually the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited earth to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake, who keeps his clothes, that is to say, spiritually ready for the Lord's return, so that he will not be naked, spiritually unprepared, and men will not see his shame. And they, the demons, gathered the kings and armies of the world together at a place which in Hebrew is called Har-Mageddon. So there's a specific gathering of the armies here. And this judgment seems to assist. So the dragon, the beast, the false prophets, false prophet will initiate, initiate this mobilization and this declaration of war that are going to mobilize the armies of the world to converge in Israel. Wipe Israel off the map and prevent Jesus from returning. So John identifies these spirits in verses 13 and 14. These loathsome spirits like frogs as demons. These demons go out to the kings deceiving them to assemble their armies in Israel for this battle at Armageddon. Now it's interesting, the interesting point to note here is how many of these leaders are already demon-possessed due to their involvement in demonic ceremonies and, and, and their worship of Luciferianism today. How they are being prepared and how they are waiting for this call. They are waiting for this activation. They will do the same under the influence of Satan, the beast and the false prophet. The demons will come in and persuade them. But, but their decision is something that God, the ultimate cause, has already put on their hearts. Listen to this, Revelation 17, 17. For God has put in their hearts to carry out his purpose by agreeing together to surrender their kingdoms to the beast until the prophetic word of God will be fulfilled. I'm going to go into that later on. This is just a little bit of a brief summary of the build-up to the battle of Armageddon. So these kings from all over the world gather to destroy Israel and prevent Jesus from taking up his throne in Jerusalem. In modern speak, in modern words, in modern language, your governments have survived the horseman, survived the sixth seal, survived the first five bowls, will rally to the call of the devil who is now inhabited inside the Antichrist, and they will buy into his great deception to create war on God and create a breakaway civilization separate from God, from the decrees of God, from the rule of God. Revelation 19, 19. And you can also go and read Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Why are the nations in an uproar and turmoil against God? Why do the people devise a vain and hopeless plot? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take the counsel together against the Lord and His anointed, the Davidic King, the Messiah, the Christ, saying, Let us break apart the divine bands of restraint and cast away the cords of control from us. Whenever you hear 
them starting to talk about breakaway civilizations, breakaway societies. There it is, verse 3, Psalm chapter 2, let us break apart. Joel chapter 3 verse 2, I will gather together all the Gentile nations that were hostile to my people and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, the Lord has judged. And I will deal with them and enter into judgment with them there. For, they treat, for the treatment of my people, my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered amongst the nations, and because they have encroached on my land and divided it up. Go and have a look at what happens to current land division and the promotion of land division in Israel today and what happens. There's just constant conflict over that. Satan's purpose in bringing all these soldiers into Israel in the first place, appears to annihilate the Jews. Now, when Jesus Christ returns, he's going to return specifically to the Mount of Olives. And that's where they want to unite in opposition against him. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you, Jerusalem, will be divided in your midst, and the city will be captured, and the house plundered, and the woman ravished, and half of the city will be exiled, and the rest of the people will be, not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in half from the east to the west by a very large valley. And half the mountain will move towards the north, and half of it towards the south. Very interesting. From a first heaven perspective, the world leader, Antichrist, persuades and gathers the surviving world governments to send their armies to Megiddo. However, it's actually God who through the enemy is gathering the nations together to judge them. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. Verse 2. little bit of a tinfoil hat moment here <laughs> I can I can just imagine um, it will probably look like some Hollywood sci-fi movie of a charismatic world leader gathering the world together to defend off an impending alien invasion and uh, to first of all deal with radical elements fifth element columns and forward advanced scouts of Jews and Christians Hence Israel, and you know, by killing the two witnesses, they're going to have this input of adrenaline and joy. But this is not a day of Satan's triumph, but it's a day of Satan, Babylon, and the world's judgment. This is what the battle is going to look like from a prophetic point of view. Revelation 19, verse 11 to 16. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who was riding it is called faithful and true, trustworthy, loyal, incorruptible, steady. And in righteousness he judges and wages war on the rebellious nations. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many royal crowns. 
and he has a name inscribed on him which no one knows or understands except himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven dressed in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, follow him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, his word, with which he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of, his, of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, in judgment of the rebellious world. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is powerful stuff. Going back to chapter 16, verse 15, listen to this. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes. That is, say, spiritually ready for the Lord's return, so that he will not be naked, spiritually unprepared, and men will not see his shame. It seems like Jesus Christ gives this break, this parenthesis to John. It's an inviting and it's an invitation and a warning. And there are so many verses of warning. That his coming is going to be suddenly. But it's going to be suddenly to the unprepared. Listen to this. The letters to the two churches. Sardis and Laodicea. Revelation 3.3 3. So remember and take to heart the lessons you've received and heard. Keep and obey them and repent. Change your sinful ways of thinking and demonstrate your repentance with new behavior. That provides a conscious decision to turn away from sin. So then, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come. So he's speaking to a church that is not listening. Revelation 3.18 I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich and white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and healing solved to put on your eyes so that you may see. His second coming will be as a thief, unexpected, suddenly. His enemies are not going to expect it. Matthew 24, 43. But understand this, if the head of the house had not known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Luke 12, 39. Be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have been awake, alert, and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord will return. Of the, 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 let me re repeat that. The day of the return of the Lord is coming just as a thief comes unexpectedly and suddenly in the night. You as a disciple of Christ should know and understand these facts. You should know and expect his coming. And his coming should not be a surprise to you. It's the enemy that it's going to be caught by surprise. It's those who are asleep, the apostate Christians, who are going to be caught by surprise, like those virgins in Matthew 25, 
verse 1 to 30. Go and read and study that passage of scripture. Those virgins, bridesmaids who did not have enough oil in their lamp. They are the ones that are going to be surprised. These people that are playing games with, with false doctrines in the church. These people that are, that are sort of uh, Sunday Christians in the church. These people that are cultural Christians in the church. These are the ones that are going to be surprised. But a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, this day should in no way surprise you. Listen to this scripture and think about those Christians who have allowed a sin mentality. These scriptures are actually very, very chilling. Deuteronomy 23 verse 14. Since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to rescue you and to defeat your enemies before you, therefore your camp must be holy, undefiled, and he must not see anything indecent among you or he will turn away from you. Go back and read the letters to the churches and the, the, the reprimands of Jesus Christ to the churches where they fail. There's unclean stuff in the camp. It will have a judgment effect on that church and therefore on the Christian. Isaiah 47 verse 3. Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will spare no man. If believers do not understand that Jesus Christ will return soon. If they have not been taught about his return, if they have not been taught to understand what Maranatha means, or to say Maranatha, Jesus, come quickly, return quickly, they may behave in ways that are embarrassing to their testimony. And when he comes at the rapture to rapture them, what will happen to them? Revelation 16, 16. Let's move on. And they, the demons, gathered the kings and the armies of the world together at the place which is in Hebrew called Har Magedon. Armageddon. So now we come back to the narrative. The demons assemble the kings of the earth and their armies and they gather in Harmageddon, literally the mountain of Megiddo. Megiddo meaning either a place of troops or a place of slaughter. Finally, the seventh bowl, verses 17 to 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne of God, saying, It is done. It is all over. It is all accomplished. It has come. And there were flashes of lightning and loud rumbles and peals of thunder. And there was a massive earthquake. Nothing like it had ever occurred since mankind originated on the earth. So severe and far-reaching was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And God kept in mind Babylon the Great to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce and furious wrath. Then every nation fled away, and no mountain could be found. And giant hailstones, as heavy as a talent, fell from the sky on people. And people reviled and spoke abusively of God for the plague of that hail, because the plague was so very great. 
There seems to be another series of events taking place now that are similar to the sixth seal and the first five trumpets. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of, of the, from the throne of God saying, It is done. It is all over. It is all accomplished. It has come. This one's interesting because the angel pours his bowl out into the air. Is this the first heaven or is this the second heaven? But it seems that God now announces the final judgment for this period of history. And in verse 18 to 21, which I've read to you, we read what that final judgment is. This, this, this earthquake to me is an earth shock. And we're going to be talking about that extensively when we go into the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we wrap up this series of uh, Revelation. I'm going to close now, but in closing, I just want to say that I think that this judgment, together with the other judgments that have an effect on the physical planet Earth, are a preparation for the climatic conditions that will be experienced during the reign of Christ. The next podcast is going to be Living Through Wormwood. We'll see how you enjoy that one. That's it for now. God bless you.